When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Verstappen joins Sir Jackie Stewart on 27 race wins. Uh, he is tied for 7th in the all-time list. That's pretty cool. Led the 1,500th lap of his career, making him the 13th driver to ever reach that total. And Hamilton finished second, as we know. It was his 300th Grand Prix, and it's the 49th time in his career he's finished in second. I'm Louise Goodman, and you're listening to the fantastic Cut to the Race podcast. Hello, my name is Simon Mylander, and you're listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Rosanna Tennant, and you are listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Brophy. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go! Hello and welcome to the Cut to the Race podcast. We have just watched round 12 of the 2022 season, the French Grand Prix. Max Verstappen took his seventh win of the season. Leclerc retired for the third time this season from the lead. Mercedes continued to progress and gain momentum. And Ferrari struggles cost them again. To discuss this pretty good, I'd say, French Grand Prix with me, we have Abby. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. I'm still suffering with the uh, European weather here down south in the UK, but I'm excited to start talking about the French Grand Prix. I'm sure it's not as hot as France, but uh, it's actually raining where I am in the UK. Um, but we're not here to discuss the weather. We are not the weather nerds. Um, we have Catherine. How are you? I am good, thank you. I would have been better if we, Leclerc didn't have that little mishap today, but what can we do? We will get into that. Was it a mishap, mistake? What's going on? Um, but I'm going to continue the trend. We're going to do our race rating at the beginning. This is now a thing. I'm not going to next week say we're going to do it again. This is now how we're doing it. Um, Abby, French Grand Prix, potentially the last one. Usually this is like a, a point something out of 10, this uh, French Grand Prix. What would you have given this one? I'm going to go with a seven. Because for me, I, I rated Austria a 6.5. And for me, this race was a bit better. Because 
I mean, I can't exactly remember everything about Austria, but French Grand Prix, it was the last one. We had F2 this morning, which I watched, so I was already kind of in the French mode, having Porsche win his home race and that, got the crowd going. We. Oui. But, <laughs> love your French there, Ollie. Um, <laughs> but the result of this, the on-track battles, yes, there was heartbreak, which, as you've said, we'll get into. But it was just really good, especially for the teams that I support. I liked how they performed. I like how they handled the race. So I'm going to give it a seven. So that's, a, a, just to be clear, that's a seven out of ten as a race, not as the French Grand Prix. That's just as a race. Yes, as a race. Well, records have been made today. Um, Catherine, what would you rate it out of 10? I think that I would give it a 7 as a Grand Prix. You know why? Because, like, at the beginning of the weekend, it's like I saw Ferrari and I, I thought that they were going to have another engine problem with Leclerc this time. Sainz almost had one at the end. And I was like, my goodness, we are not going to make it. And then Mercedes, they were like, we are really slow. I don't think that we're going to keep up with Red Bull and Ferrari. And then Red Bull, you had, they were quite predictable. Verstappen was strong as all ways Paris was lacking a bit so I feel like there were that, that bit of uncertainty throughout the weekend and then it just gave for some good drama on the race so it made it a really good Grand Prix to follow whereas normally it's it's a bit boring one can say yeah I definitely feel like the 2022 cars have you know we're, we've stopped talking about this now because we're, we're halfway through it but this is proof that they actually work because Paul Ricard is a circuit where F1 was at its worst in terms of racing. And actually, we saw some today. Um, I haven't got the stats with me on how many overtakes we had versus last year, but it was definitely better. Um, let's talk about the start of the weekend. So Carlos Sainz didn't have a great sort of intro to the weekend. We knew he was going to have, um, obviously, grid penalties due to power unit change. But, Abby, any highlights from the sort of the practice sessions? Any thoughts on, on, on leading up into the important parts? Well, in practice, it was looking like Ferrari would be very strong here, very dominant. Leclerc topped FP1, and then Sainz was in third behind Verstappen. The main takeaway from FP1, however, was with Lando. He had a throttle issue, and we saw the pedal cam on Sky. But McLaren said that it wasn't a huge issue, wasn't too much to worry about. Mercedes... They did bring some upgrades this weekend and it meant that they would have more downforce, but things weren't looking too strong for them over practice. They weren't getting their hopes up, despite Horner saying that Mercedes would be strong this weekend and they would be there fighting with them. But it was just looking, as Catherine said, like Red Bull would be very predictable, fighting at the front with Ferrari and then them going off in the lead. So all eyes were on them. But Alpha Tauri had a very good practice session, had very good practice sessions with Gasly. I mean, he got in the top five in FP1, which I know is the first session of the weekend, but still, compared to some performances this season, that was really strong from him. Yeah, it's a shame for Gasly, it didn't follow through. But Abby, you've just reminded me to talk about something that I haven't spoken about myself on this show yet, which is the pedal cam. Now, Catherine, I'm going to ask you what you think about it in a minute, but imagine, you know, if we're having a production meeting for, you know, F1, right? Guys, has anyone got any new ideas? Any, anything new we could do to sort of bring some excitement to this sport? Yeah, stick a camera next to someone's foot, right? It sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? However, when you're watching the car with the pedal cam and you're seeing actually how they respond to things, it's one of my favourite things now. It really is. Catherine... 
do you think it brings anything to the sport? Because I feel like it's going to be one of those things that we then don't see next year and they'll just forget about it. I think it's actually a brilliant idea. I love this. It was, unfortunately, I couldn't see the Silverstone Grand Prix. So this was my first time that I saw it. And I was impressed because it gives you a really different perspective of the car. And also it takes you inside the car. So at least when, when, for example, the commentators are explaining something, they will also, that gives you a perspective of what the engineers have to deal with. And also the space that the drivers have inside there. So when they're like, listen, it's difficult. They're, they're in a confined space. I think that camera actually showed how much more confined it is. And I liked it. And I think that the cameras that F1 are bringing, even the helmet cam and all that, it just is making it all better because you can see how, for example, limited the driver's sight is from their helmet cam. And it's all that. And you can see even at the beginning when we had the poor poisoning issue, we could see how difficult it was for, for the drivers from the um, helmet cam. So I think these kinds of cameras are brilliant. And I hope that we actually keep seeing them in F1, to be fair, because it just they give a different perspective. And especially for new fans, they can understand a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the only thing I'd say on the helmet cam is they need to use a GoPro, something with some image stabilization, because, I mean, I've got quite a big TV in my front room and it makes me dizzy. But Catherine, right. I know that, you know, people who work in the F1 world listen to this show. What's the next cam that they should do? I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but go on. Anything, if you could put camera anywhere, be sensitive to our audience, but where would you put it? <laughs> that's that's a really tricky, tricky question. I know, that's why I asked it. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I think maybe... Oh, I, I actually don't know. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. This I knew I would. This is really difficult. <laughs> you know what I would like to see, though? I would like to see a bit even more what their drive what the drivers see from their mirrors a mirror cam and do you know what i know yeah. i put you on the spot there and that was evil of me but that's a really good idea and, and they could have the feeds from it and some of the cars they they shake so much i mean it'd be interesting to see i'm not sure it would be you know they this would be one of the ideas they probably don't do next year but they do it in other sports don't they where they have the, yeah. the mirror cam on the on the dash okay as normal, I digress. Abby's looking at me like, shut up, Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are here to come up with great ideas. Um, let's go into qualifying, shall we? Let's move on. Um, before we go into the sort of the details, did you both think it was pretty much just Ferrari Red Bull? It was just a matter of, was it going to be Max or Leclerc? I think, to be fair, it's it's going to be the story for the rest of the season. It's Max or Leclerc. Unfortunately, we'll always have that. What I really like from the qualifying session is how Ferrari worked as a team. They even brought in Carlos. And when I saw it, I was like, I was at work during qualifying. So I was watching it during work. And I probably, I shouldn't have said that, but it's okay. It's Formula One. I'll risk it. But um, I like that. I like that. <laughs> I like that. I'll, I'll be unemployed for Formula One. It's fine. Exactly. But um, but the thing is, it's like, I've, at first I thought they shouldn't bring science out. They do not want anything to happen to the car. They shouldn't risk it. So why are they bringing him out? Maybe for one session to have some track time? But then I saw that they kept getting him out. And then I saw the strategy that they used. And I liked how they worked as a team to also help Leclerc. Unfortunately, I just wish that they that could have been highlighted more in the race. And in other races too, that sort of teamwork around the team. I feel like that would build a better um, environment too for them. 
I was really impressed to see Ferrari working as a team because we've seen, you know, at Silverstone, they, they just can't make the decisions and they can't think of the bigger picture. But in qualifying, at least, um, it seemed like they did. And Sainz, what a guy, the positioning of the car. I mean, he knew exactly when to duck out. I think he'd been training overnight on the F1 2022. Abby, what's your thoughts? Yeah, that was effortless from Sainz. And I know... Like, as Formula One drivers, they all know how to go into a corner, how to get the slipstream, how to position the car and that. But it just looked flawless. And, yeah, the whole teamwork aspect, like, Formula One, yes, drivers do race for themselves in the Drivers' Championship, but the team is a massive, massive part of the sport. And it is nice to see that and see them actually working together because Carlos and Charles, they both do get on. I mean, Ferrari have released some videos a bit like McLaren do of the drivers working together doing some challenges and that but seeing them work together on track so effortlessly it was just really good to see yeah I mean looking looking at the final qualifying times I know we've skipped forward to Q3 here but it is what it is um it doesn't look like Charles potentially would have got pole if they hadn't done that you know there was there was 0.3 of a, a second and um that sort of slipstream was was the difference to uh, beat Max Verstappen. And I think Max Verstappen thought he had this one in the bag. Um, but he didn't. Um, any shocks from qualifying, guys? I mean, you know, we, we had the usuals um, dropping out uh, early on. But any any key performances you, you think we should call out? For me, I'd say Gasly, because he was looking strong coming into the weekend. And then he was out in Q1, but Sonoda got into Q3. That was quite a surprise to me. Stroll, Aston Martin have been very unfortunate this season. We all know that. But Vettel was confident in the upgrades they were bringing. And Latifi was also having upgrades this weekend, not Albon. So to see them being out in Q1 kind of hints that the upgrades didn't work. And it was a shame to see them there because I feel like Stroll, like with the upgrades and that, it could have helped him. But obviously this green ball doesn't seem to be working. Be careful how you say that. Um, and what about uh, Mick Schumacher? Because he, he his, his lap time was deleted in Q1 for exceeding track limits. Um, Catherine, that's a disappointment, right? He's on form at the minute. That is really disappointing. And I really do feel for him because I feel right now a lot of people are expecting a lot from him because he is Michael Schumacher's son. They cannot understand that he is not Michael Schumacher. He is only his son, you know? So I feel <laughs> that's like... <laughs> that's the best description of Mick Schumacher I've heard in a long time. <laughs> it's because I get really frustrated when people tell me he is not going to last in F1. And why wouldn't he? George Russell, when he was at Williams, he struggled. We weren't seeing him in Q3 every time. But then eventually he got to it. And I think... That with Mick Schumacher is the same. So he's just adapting and we need to remember that he had quite a struggle during his first season with Nikita Mazepin as a teammate. That must not have been easy for him either. So for me, I think we need to cut him off some slack, maybe. And it was a really disappointing result and I really feel for him. But I believe that now with the new upgrades that they're bringing in Hungary, I believe that hopefully he will recover from it and he'll come back stronger. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's obviously got pressure. He's got K Mag as a teammate who, you know, he, he he's a, he's the wild child. We love K Mag, but he he is a very very good racing driver and usually delivers. Um Q2, I mean, Daniel Ricardo out, Ocon out, Bottas out, Vettel out, Albon out. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, we haven't spoken about Bottas on this podcast for a long time. Maybe quite a few shows now. Um, Abby, where, where is this guy? He was. I thought he was going to win the championship at one point earlier this year. <laughs> Um, yeah, I feel like for Bottas, he's kind of gone under the radar recently. He hasn't had particularly bad performances that have stood out, but then he hasn't had stellar performances that have stood out either. He's kind of just floating around in the middle. And he is a good driver. He did start this season off really well. He was really comfortable in the Alfa Romeo. But I don't know, something's just maybe not clicking for him to get into Q3 to have these performances. But he's still there, just sitting there quiet and... Watching everybody else, apparently. <laughs> um, now, McLaren brought upgrades uh, this weekend. Um, Danny Ricciardo didn't make it to Q3, out in Q2, as I just said. Um, Lando through, which is about the sort of the trend of this season, right? We're not surprised by that. But, um, Catherine, how significant were these upgrades for McLaren this weekend? Well, they're truly important, especially how McLaren are doing this season. Everyone thought that they would be racing it up there with Red Bull or Ferrari because they have been bringing better results in recent years. And I think I was surprised by Ricardo not making it into Q3 because on Friday he was the driver that had the upgrades first. And then they were like, Norris will get the upgrades as the weekend progresses on. And he wasn't really happy with that. So I thought maybe Ricardo, now he had an advantage. He could have maybe done something. He was used more to the upgrades already. But I think now it's just, it's always the story. And Ricardo, I don't know. I really want to see him do well. They He could have done with the upgrades. It's a really good thing that they both finished in the top 10. But considering how he, he is still lacking when it comes to competing against Norris, it is alarming. And with the upgrades that they had, he should have done more. Because if Norris had those, he would have been like he was all at it, giving his, giving um, his 100%. Yeah, so, uh, Abby, Ricardo said um, over the last week that when he's given a good car, he will drive it that way um i'm struggling with this and i want your thoughts you you are a, a mclaren lover um what, what why would daniel say that when he's being outperformed by his teammate it seems it, it seems a strange thing to say yeah i think obviously there was all the speculation about his future in f1 and whether he was staying with mclaren especially with the team signing alex palo for indycar and that and colton herter did his f1 test Everyone was thinking that Ricardo would be out, especially when Zach Brown said that there are mechanisms in the contract to end early. But we know Ricardo can win races. We've seen that. He won last year in Monza. But this year, his struggles have just persisted. And he just, I don't know what it is. I feel like he just can't get to grips with the car. He can't adapt his driving style to suit the car as well as Lando can. And he's working relentlessly with the team and they're trying to help him as well to just build that bridge where he can be at one because before the race he spoke to Ted Kravitz and he was saying that 
A driver needs to be connected to the car. It needs to be a part of you. When you move, the car moves, all of that. And for him, that's not happening at the moment. And I think if that, when that does happen, when they become one and he becomes connected to the car properly, we can then see him challenging Lando more and going for those higher points and qualifying actually into Q3, which he's only done four times this season. So I think for him, McLaren just need to help him build that gap, get better with the car, and then we can see him perform at his best like we know he can. Not to go off on a complete uh, Ricardo tangent like I'm about to, but um, why would McLaren change the car, Catherine, if they already know what it can do with Lando in the seat? Surely the car isn't the thing you would change. I think they would change the car because they still want to show the driver that he is welcome at the team. It's just, that is the thing, you know? So, for example, if you take Mercedes, they will always cater for Lewis Hamilton and then they will cater for the other driver. And this year, it looks like it even more because I feel like this year, for example, Mercedes are bringing a really good team front and both drivers are on it. So you can see that like the team is catering for each of them and you'll always hear it. For example, at Ferrari, when Sainz had some problems at the beginning of the season, they tried to cater for him because that just makes the driver feel welcome. And if you're going to be like, well, we're not going to change the car for you because it works for someone else. Well, Daniel Ricciardo isn't someone else. He is Daniel Ricciardo. And if the team are showing that they do not want to do such changes to him, I think it will also affect his performance and his motivation to even bring results for the team. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's a fair point. And I think you know, if I if I'm Zach Brown, I don't think I could have done much more for for Ricardo right now. You know, he's had the time, he's had the support. Even getting the upgrades first says quite a lot about that team mentality. You know, they're they're still a team. Um, maybe Lando is just a, a, a talent that we don't quite realise yet, you know, outperforming another incredible driver. Anyway, moving on from my Ricardo tangent, um, starting grid, um, we had Leclerc starting on pole, as we revealed, uh, Max Verstappen, Perez in third, I think that's a pretty standard lineup, really, um, Lewis Hamilton in fourth, they just don't quite have that one lap pace yet, do they? Uh, Russell's in sixth. So fourth and sixth for Mercedes. They, they've got the race pace. Do you think they can adapt this or do you think all the work is going to have to be done in the race this season? I think there is more that they could do for qualifying. They are continually looking at the data to try and perfect their car. We all know that Mercedes... They don't just want to change one thing to improve one thing. They want to improve the whole car as the car itself they want the perfect machine and at the moment the qualifying pace isn't there so I think they do need to work on that and hopefully they can over the summer break and even if it's in five races time hopefully we can see them actually get that pace because they are quite far off the front two teams at the moment. I mean Catherine do you think people are sort of forgetting now where Mercedes were at the start of this season because I recall Saudi Arabia Lewis Hamilton where did he start? Do you think people are just getting on the hype train, right? Mercedes are back. They should be on pole. What's wrong? Do you think that's what's happening? I think that maybe people might be getting carried away and be like, oh, Mercedes are back. They might actually have a chance. In my opinion, they do not have a chance to try and fight. Brutal. Brutal. drivers or constructors. (laughs) Mercedes, Catherine said you got no chance, all right? 
they're going to be there. And I really want them to get a win because, in my opinion, they deserve it. And considering what they have been through, and plus I'm a huge Toto Wolf fan, so I really want to see him celebrate a win. But I think that they are still... I'm not going to say that they're not realistic and I'm not going to judge them because the people at Mercedes, they know more than me and we know it. But I was looking at the... I was looking at the quotes and from they were from Toto Wolf and from Hamilton and they were talking about how, for example, Paul Ricard is not suitable for Mercedes. But that is the thing. You cannot have a circuit that is going to be suitable for your car. You need to make your car suitable for every circuit, unfortunately, in my opinion. So I think that they have a lot of more work to do. And also, for example, in France, they highlighted how, for example, in the, in the straight, they were really slow. And maybe, okay, now we know that they had really severe pore poisoning issues. They had problems with the downforce. But maybe they need to look a bit more at those issues. Maybe they, now they're a bit less. But they are still an underlying problem, maybe, in my opinion. So I don't think that Mercedes are back. I think probably next year we'll see a much better Mercedes because they are, they have learned a lot from this year. But I don't think that they're going to be celebrating as much as Red Bull or Ferrari this year. No, exactly. And, and, and to be fair, yeah, the porpoising, 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 I still don't know what it is, but I'm going to go with porpoising right now. Um, yeah, they're not going up and down anymore. They're going backwards and forwards, which is good. Um, as we said, Lando Norris, he split the Mercedes in qualifying. That's just a mega result. Um, put himself P5 to start the race. Um, Alonso, the dark horse, um, P7. He's just Mr. Consistent, delivering all the time. Sonoda, 8. Ricardo, ninth due to the penalties for Sainz and Magnussen. And Ocon on 10th. I just want to throw a little stat in about Leclerc there because he did have pole and that put him joint with Verstappen on 16 poles in their career, I believe. And it also moved Leclerc into third in Ferrari's pole sitter history, bumping Felipe Massa down. So Leclerc has 16 poles, Niki Lauda has 23 poles and Michael Schumacher has 58 poles in Ferrari's history. That's a mega stat. You're telling me Leclerc has beaten Massa? Apparently so. Wow. And level with Verstappen. I, sorry, I just need a minute. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's actually quite... Yeah, I don't think I give him enough credit sometimes, and we'll get to that. But that, that is... It's an achievement, right? Yeah, it definitely is. This episode is brought to you by Eight Sleep. Good sleep is the ultimate game changer and nature's best medicine. Consistent good sleep can help reduce the likelihood of serious health issues, decrease the risk of heart disease, lower blood pressure, and even reduce the risk of Alzheimer's. Yet, still more than 30% of people struggle with sleep, and temperature is one of the main causes of poor sleep. I personally have always struggled to get the right temperature in my room when I'm sleeping, and ruining my sleep. Now I'm falling asleep in record time. Thank you to 8 Sleep Pod Pro Cover. The Pod Pro Cover is one of the most advanced solutions on the market for thermoregulation. It pairs dynamic cooling and heating with biometric tracking. You can add the cover to any mattress that you already own. The temperature of the cover will adjust to each side of the bed based on your sleep stages, biometrics and the bedroom temperature reacting intelligently to create their optimal sleeping environment. 
Go to 8sleep.com forward slash formula nerds to check out the Pod Pro cover and save £150 at checkout. 8 Sleeps ships to the USA, Canada, and the UK. So it's time to talk about the race, and it would not be right to talk about the race without our review of the national anthem. We do this every time. Catherine, this is your first national anthem review. So tell us what you thought about it. Compared to the others you've seen this year, what did you think the, the vocal performances were good? Did you think delivery was good? Because there are some shocking national anthems in F1 these days, right? Silverstone being one of them. Um, you know what? I think the French anthem, I will always love it. The French and Italian anthems for me are top up there. The Italian anthem even more. But the French one, I think I got more, I, I got to like it even more during the Euros in 2016. And during the World Cup in 2018, so uh, I'm do do I need to give it a rating? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. The rating, right? A new feature on the show: rating our national anthem. I can't believe I didn't think of it. Right? Yes. So again, it's your first show uh, reviewing a race, but if you had to score it compared to all the others you've seen in your history as an F1 fan, what would it be out of ten? So the anthem. I feel like I would give it a seven, as much as I gave the Grand Prix weekend. I think it's a fair one, you know? Okay. I, I need to be patriotic to myself, so I, I cannot rate at the other countries more than I have to rate my country then. So oh, I, I disagree. I'd give the, the, the Italian 10 out of 10 subject to delivering when it happens. But anyway, uh, Abby, how did you find this one? Because again, Silverstone, it it just, it murdered me. The, the, I just still can't believe they signed off on it. But anyway, Azerbaijan was was close second this year so far but how did you find this the french national anthem it's very traditional i feel like the delivery of it it was a very traditional national anthem very traditional performance and i heard it earlier in the day uh for f2 and you had engineers and therapy share all standing there singing it with the fans as well so it i really like this national anthem i'd probably give it 7.5 I'd say. Okay. Now, for the fact that uh, the lady singing, her name has just escaped me, um, but for the fact she had 44 on her T-shirt, people would have noticed, um, I thought it was a great national anthem. I'm giving it a 9 out of 10. I thought it was traditional. You didn't have Eurovision. You You had more lyrics than Azerbaijan, Azerbaijan, Azerbaijan. I enjoyed it. So should we talk about the start of the race, Abby? (laughs) Yes, let's. Talk, Talk us through Lights Out. Okay, so you had all the cars on the grid. Leclerc was on pole. Now, for me, I wanted him to maintain that pole, which he did. He had a good start. Verstappen was in second. And Hamilton, he managed to get up into third straight away. And one person who had an excellent start was Alonso because he managed to get to fifth on the grid. He overtook Russell, he overtook Norris, and Perez somehow got moved down because Hamilton took the took the lead from him. It was really good. But there was an incident. We had Yuki Sonoda making contact with Esteban Ocon, which caused Sonoda to spin and later retire from the race. But Ocon ended up with a five-second time penalty because of that. Okay, so to pick that apart, um, I... When I do my predictions and, you know, we, we talk amongst the team, I always get it wrong. So the fact I've got it right today, I'm going to talk about it. I said that Alonso would definitely get Russell. And 
Yeah, Hamilton, brilliant. And I was very surprised Max didn't go on full-blown Max mode. Do you think... Do you think he's got a bit comfortable, Catherine? Do you think he's sitting there with his championship lead now thinking, I know what I'm doing, I don't need to take the risks? I think that Max, he knows that his cha- the championship is not in his hands yet. He has been racing against Charles for quite some time now, and I think he knows that Charles will not just give it up like that. And in fact, I think even when, for example, Charles crashed, we heard Max saying, is he okay? And in my opinion, he wasn't just asking, is he okay, because he had a brutal crash, but he was asking that because he knows what it is to have such a good lead and have it taken away like that because of um of a small mistake. So I don't think that Max is that comfortable. I think maybe he was trying to preserve his tires, especially because of the heat. It's came to it came to bite him back, unfortunately, because then he tried too much with Leclerc, who is just great at defending. It's just we always seen him do so well. And I think Monza 2019 was a great proof of that against Hamilton. And then it unfortunately it came to bite him back. So I don't think that he was confident. And Red Bull, they know that they have a lot of work to do to try and stop Leclerc. Yeah, so, it, I mean, it didn't look like, you know, Max. Max's brief was get the lead into turn one. And if we just think a year ago, how different Max was and how different the battle was with Lewis, there's a completely different dynamic here because Verstappen would have rather DNF'd in turn one than let Lewis keep that lead. Abby, what I'm struggling to understand, really, the mentality difference and, and why how Max has matured into looking at the bigger picture. I think this season, as Catherine said, Leclerc and, well, Charles and Max have raced against each other for several years. There's the whole video of um, them crashing and Charles going, oh, it's an incident, and the two of them being really young. Well, 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 rewind. What did he say? It was an incident. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing, just an incident. Yeah. Oh, I love that. But they've been racing together since they were young. So, yes, Max may have matured. He's now got that maiden championship. But I also think it's a level of, like, he's not racing Hamilton anymore. There's not that kind of hostility between Red Bull and Mercedes and Red Bull and Ferrari. There is this almost, not companionship, but, like, Max and Charles are kind of friends on some level, which Max and Lewis were not. So it was a complete battle between Max and Lewis, whereas with Charles, they're a bit more careful, a bit more strategic and logical in how they race and attack each other. I'm going to give my personal opinion here. I don't really like it. Um, Max and Lewis were always respectful, right, at the start of the, 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 that year, last year. Um, you know, they, they always respected each other to a point, but there was never a friendship. And... In a competitive sport, especially racing, I don't want to see a friendship. I want to see what I saw last year. I want to see people going absolutely at it, no matter what. Catherine, if you had to compare Lewis versus Max versus, um, obviously, Leclerc and Max, do you think it's not quite as entertaining, or am I on my own with this view? I think it's because I'm also a Ferrari fan, so I'm going to speak from a very different perspective. Because for me, last year, when I was seeing Hamilton against Max, um, it was I supported Verstappen on it. And for me, it wasn't really that big of a deal. I was like, I just want Verstappen to win. If he doesn't, it's not that big of a deal. I enjoyed it. But uh, if... 
I loved watching it, but now this year, knowing that Charles and Max are not taking it as far, so maybe there isn't the risk of them getting really too bad like Max and Lewis did last year. For me, it's sort of comforting as a fan. Because at least I will not see Max going over Charles's um, car during a race. Or I will not see Charles throwing him against the wall during a race. So I think that gives me comfort. But, yeah, that's a re- Do you know what? It's an interesting point. Perspective is everything, right? And um, I'll be honest, even last year, I, I preferred the unknown of which which driver was actually going to finish um rather than the comfort because you know as as a brit and hamilton we've all been proud of him but there's been too much comfort in f1 for a long time um abby what do you make on this but be be completely honest is it is it the same battle um i i personally love racing so it's not about the driver it's not about who i want to win i just want to see the, the the best racing we can see it's not the same. I think there are levels of like damage limitation and making sure that they don't end up, as Catherine said, driving into each other, crashing into a wall and that. But I love racing. But crashing into a wall is different. I'm, t- <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about race to race. Crashing into a wall, we're going to get to shortly. <laughs> okay, like pushing each other off and that. It's a, it, there's a different level of this competitiveness. And whilst I love racing and it is really good to see these battles and have that uncertainty, it does make me sit hiding behind a cushion sometimes because it is so stressful and I get so nervous about what's going to happen. Like in today's race, I was like that at one point with my hands over my eyes because it's yeah, good. It, it's a stressful. podcast, Abby. <laughs> when you're in it, it's like that. <laughs> you can see what I mean. <laughs> I can. Um, and the reason I ask this, I'm building up to it. Verstappen had the pace today. He could keep up with Leclerc. He was, you know, within a second for many laps. I mean, you know, six six laps or so. Why didn't he attack, attack? He was just almost, just so you know, mate, I can keep up with you, but I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm just going to keep up with you. Why, why is that for people that might not understand the, the, the psychology here, Catherine? To be fair, I thought that too, because especially when they were going around the herb, and I thought, that's it, we have it. Verstappen is going to overtake him. And at some point, I also thought that maybe they were going to get each other off the track, to be fair. And they didn't, and I was surprised. And I was like, is it is it possible Ferrari are that good? They're keeping a Red Bull that, for that long time behind them? But uh, I think maybe Verstappen, first of all, I think he matured a lot from last season. And I keep seeing his level of matureness get even better with every single season. And also, as we said before, maybe his relationship with Leclerc is different. And maybe you could see it as, for example, last season, Verstappen was going up against a seven-time world champion. And many people might have underestimated him because they were like, oh, who is this kid going into the sport and driving against one of the best drivers that the sport ever ever scene whereas now he's going up against Leclerc and maybe they're a bit more leveled so he has a different level of respect to him Mm. and again thinking about it as I'm talking last year was Verstappen's first real attempt at a title I I truly believe he could have done it given the right car long before that but I, I think he was treating that year as this might be my only ever time that I can actually do it he's done it now 
and he's looking at it different differently. And also, I think Ferrari are making it very easy for him to relax. So, um, Abby, what? Uh, moving on, what? What's unfolded after that? We've only got to what lap one, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think so. So, obviously, we then had Kevin Magnussen, after moving up seven places at the start, he then initiated the pit stops, being the first driver to pit. We had more drivers pitting, obviously changing on to different strategy tyres and that. But then lap 18 came, and it was absolute heartbreak, especially for Catherine, because she is a Ferrari fan. Now, it was listening to the radio from Leclerc, after he had lost it in Lebose and crashed into the wall, was so saddening. I'm going to ask you a quick question before this, Abby, because Verstappen had just pitted and they decided not to pit Leclerc, which potentially had something to do with this. I don't know, but let's get into it. Yeah, so obviously Verstappen was then on fresher tyres and Leclerc was on the hard tyres. Planner B was on plan B, as his engineers said. And when he crashed, there was this, there's this whole speculation as to whether it was a driver mistake or whether there was throttle issues again because of what he said over the radio. And just the rear of his car, you could see that it he just lost it going into that corner. But he crashed and he retired from the race, which brought out the safety car, which for Verstappen was unfortunate timing because... He could have pitted under the safety car, but he he didn't need to because he'd already done it. Yeah, so as I, as I said, this is his third retirement from the lead this year. That is uh, 25, 50, 75 points, right, lost for various reasons. Um, when he hit the wall, he said throttle, right? He instantly, that was the first thing he said. Watching the replay, and I've done it on slow-mo, I've turned the volume up, turned it down, rewound it, watched it backwards forwards. Um there was a squeeze of throttle at a point where, naturally, I don't think you would. You, you would just ease it. Now, I, I'm i not an engineer, believe it or not. However, something didn't strike me as... Uh, a driver like Leclerc, I don't think, would make some mistake like that at that moment. Um, it just... Something's not sitting right with me. Catherine, did were you shocked by this particular mistake? I mean, you wouldn't get your Hamiltons and your Schumachers doing something like that, would you? I was pretty shocked because I knew that Leclerc wouldn't do a mistake like that. And to be fair, it's just, it couldn't adapt to me how Leclerc was going there saying, it is my fault. It's a mistake that I did. But then, as you said, like we saw the rear end, it wasn't even, it just stuck. And then I was like listening to the commentators. You had Paul Duresta say his rear tires were not moving. You had Nico Rosberg say a world-class driver wouldn't make such a mistake, which is true. And it's just, it cannot stuck with me. I do not know what happened. And he did scream no throttle. And, well, he had issues last week at the end of the race with his throttle. During the first practice, he was also saying that he might have had some slight issues too. So maybe something went wrong, but he is insisting that not. So we do not know exactly what is going on here. I think... At this point, we're going to have to stick by his word, unfortunately, because he was there. He knows what happened with the team, not us. But it is really weird how this happened. Mm. So his word, in your opinion, is that the throttle when he crashed comment, or is that the after he had 
spoken to his press officer and said it was his fault comment. Which, which word are we going with? I would go with the words that he said um, uh, in the press office then. I think he actually said no throttle. So something is counteracting each other. But if he said that in the end, and plus they would always tell you that the drivers react differently when they're in the car. He was in shock. We could hear him heavily breathing because... A crash like that, of course, he also had the shock of him and the impact with that. So it is quite controversial, but I think that for Leclerc's sake, and especially as a Ferrari fan, I do not want it to drag on because it would not be healthy for the drivers either. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the only thing, tell me, okay, you're the Ferrari fan here. Tell me if I, I, I'm, I'm wrong. But when Leclerc's made mistakes in the past, he's silent in that car, right? Sorry is the first word that comes out of his mouth. It's Pretty much every time, yeah? You will hear him. I am stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it's something My fault, sorry, know. and he's exactly. very, very quiet. It's he- just this time, he had just frustration. When I heard him scream, I was like, wow, that's me every race. But other than that, <laughs> I was like... <laughs> He was literally, he was just frustrated that this happened again. And it reminded me of when he didn't finish in earlier races in Spain and in Azerbaijan. And it was all because of the engine failure. So it was sort of maybe the team's fault, if it Mm. could be said like that. Mm -hmm. And I felt like this time he had the same frustration. And I have been following Leclerc ever since he got into F1. I'm a huge fan of his. And it's just, I always know when he crashes and when he doesn't finish, it's just he puts it all on him. And I think every fan can tell you that. And this reaction was so different to normally. It's not not the same. Mm. Good. Okay, so it's not just me being a conspiracy theorist here, because I I thought something's not right. Um, The only other thing, Abby, before I ask your opinion on this, what actually happened, I'm just going to put it out there. In the the cool-down room, you know, we had all the audio, everything's working fine. Now, the audio was removed when the Red Bull team member started talking about what the fault had been or what caused that crash. It was instantly removed. Strange. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go further than that. Strange, Abby. What do you make of it all? Do we just need to be? Do we just need to get on with it and move on, or should we keep our eye out? I think we should definitely keep our eye out. I I don't want it to drag on too long, like Catherine said, but it is it is very strange because, as we've said, Leclerc reacted completely differently, and Rosberg said it, it's it's too early for him to take the blame for this, like. I don't know why he did that because that scream in that car was haunting when he screamed. At- yeah. Next time he crashes, I'm turning the volume down um, <laughs> because honestly, I was sitting there and I always listen to it on full volume. Like ask, ask 40 houses up. Um, but I literally, it terrified me. I was so not ready for that scream. It was, it was true. It was true, wasn't it? It was brutal. Oh, I'm going to hear that in my dreams tonight. Yeah, it was. And I think with all the reliability issues that Ferrari have had, and especially with this being throttle issues, as he said over the radio, and him suffering throttle issues in Austria, it does make you question whether they have solved these supposed issues or not. Because if they haven't, then they really need to, because you can't keep having issues like this throughout this race, because the championship will definitely be lost to Red Bull and Max. Absolutely. 
are we ready to move on from that incident? I feel like I've, I've said as much as I'm going to say, but I feel like I've made my view clear. Um, so this basically, yet again, gave the other team some points. Um, let's talk about Perez quickly. So, so Hamilton got into P2 after this incident. Everyone pitted, etc. Um, Hamilton into P2. Perez, now... Again, I'm not going to get into the same, he's driving the same car as Max discussion, but he wasn't on form today. There was, he was just not a Red Bull driver today. Yeah, he he didn't seem quite himself um, this whole weekend, really. I mean, qualifying was good, but especially today, he wasn't the Perez that we've seen in recent races where he was challenging Max for the lead in that. But coming into this weekend, obviously Red Bull bought some upgrades and Perez had said that he's not quite so happy with the developments of the car that they've made. He's not quite as comfortable as he was earlier in the season, which is makes me sceptical because I know that before the setup of the car was more suited to Max, and then they allowed Perez to change it to suit him a bit more, and then he excelled, and now he's not excelling because of these new upgrades that he's not comfortable with. But... I mean, it, it is Max Verstappen racing team after all, right? I mean, we, yeah. we, we, we know that. I think we've all accepted that now. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, he did seem to struggle more. I mean, he had some battles and he did finish just outside of the podium. But it'll be interesting to see how he performs in Hungary. It will. Catherine, do you think he's hungry for a victory this year? See what I did there. I see what you did there. <laughs> and I do think that like he really wants it. But also before he is having a great spell with Red Bull. And we just saw him at Racing Point during his last year. We saw him rise to such a great driver. And it's just it kept going on for Red Bull, you know. Normally with Red Bull, we will always talk about the second seat curse. Yes, Gasly and Albon and Godmans, Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Ricardo Ricardo, like, <laughs> everyone. But for him, it doesn't apply as much. And I hope that after this podcast, I do not curse him and it starts applying. I really hope so. I do not want what um what Sky would like to call it a commentator's curse. So Yes. No, I think what I think you're right though, Catherine, where Perez is doing exactly what he's there to do. It's a bit like Bottas at Mercedes last year, right? Um he we know he's the number two driver. It doesn't matter what Christian Horner says. Um Perez is a solid driver. He can win in a you know, in a racing point. He he can do what needs to be done. He defended Lewis Hamilton off to help with the championship last year. Yeah, he's an incredible driver. Um just didn't seem like he was there today, but he still obviously got a good result. Um, I think it's time to talk about science. Do you think we're ready for it? Yeah, I think we are. Okay, I, I'm going to give it just in case you haven't realised by this point in the show. Catherine likes Ferrari. She's a Ferrari fan. Um, Catherine, talk us through science today. So Sainz, he started last and he made an incredible comeback, in my opinion. So by the first lap, he had only went up one place. But we need to know that he was on the hard compound tyre when compared to Magnussen, who went up to P13 and was on the medium. So that came into play. But then he managed to make his way up and he managed to get into third place too. So that was quite impressive. But unfortunately... Uh, I thought I thought you were going to be a real Ferrari fan and not mention the unfortunately bit here, but go on. <laughs> if you're a Ferrari fan, you, there is always an unfortunately. <laughs> always. 
and he had an unsafe release in the pit lane. He almost hit a McLaren car. He almost hit a McLaren um, pit crew too. So that was really dangerous and he got a five second penalty. I was surprised that it wasn't even more considering the danger that it actually caused. So Ferrari here, they had two options. Either keep running in third place and then hope that they build a good enough gap that they would still keep the third place. Although they did have Russell and Perez just behind them. So I think they would still have finished in third. Or else do another pit stop, change it for the medium tires, be as fast as you can. And they will lose 34 seconds because a pit stop loses you 27. And then you would have another five. So approximately you would have 34 with the penalty. So it was a bit confusing because at first Ferrari were like, okay, let's pit now. But Sainz was like, no, sorry. Sainz was like, let's pit now. But Ferrari were like, no, just stay out, stay out. Do not come in. Of course, they weren't prepared for it. And Sainz did exactly that. He listened to team orders, didn't complain with them. And he made a great overtake over Paris, which was honestly amazing. This was on lap 41. Yeah, he was but alongside, then, wasn't he? He was alongside. Exactly. And then Ferrari do what to him? <laughs> and then Ferrari were like, come in, come in now. We're going to pit now. First of all, you do not tell that to a driver when he is performing an overtake that could potentially have gotten one of the cars off the track. I thought that that was going to happen. And then he went in, they changed him, he came out in 10th, I believe, he made a great comeback, he overtook everyone, but still he finished in 5th. And, okay, maybe he would still have finished in 5th if they played it the other way around. No. But you never know. <laughs> you never know. And also, I think for me, what, what was really happening is the confusion that there was among the patrol, and also... This happened earlier in the race, after the whole crash with Leclerc, after that, Sainz got the penalty. And the and the pitwall, they told him, it's a stop-go penalty. And Sainz just bursts out laughing. He was like, it's not a stop-go penalty, it's like a five-second penalty. So a stop-go would mean that he would go there, spend about five seconds in the, in the pit lane, if I'm not getting it wrong, and right. then he'll leave. But what he got was that when he's performing a pit stop... The um, the team, they cannot touch his car for five seconds and then they performed the pit stop. And then they were telling him like to take it slow. But Sainz was like, no, I am quicker right now. So there was all that confusion with Leclerc crashing and all that. And it's just, I think that they need to provide more support for the drivers. And today we have seen this really clear mm. because I feel like Sainz was left out there all alone. And he was just, he was listening to all this confusion. And that doesn't help a driver while he's racing. He already has 19 other cars, or I think there were 18 left at that point, uh, up against him. Uh, Abby, can you tell we've got a Tafosi on the podcast? <laughs> uh, just a bit, just a the, bit. The passion is is bleeding out of my screen. <laughs> um, but yes, you're right. There was confusion. What penalty is it? And... For our listeners, uh, our fans who don't know every rule in the sport like we do, a five-second penalty, if you don't pit, that just gets added to your time, right? So, in my head, maybe I missed something here. Maybe I was too busy uh, texting about the chaos that was happening at the time. But, what, why pit? He just got third. And why was he even thinking to pit? I, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I was in the car, but 
Do you think they potentially got confused about what the penalty was and sort of forgot how to deal with it? I mean, it's just so strange. Abby, rather than ask the Tafosi here who's going to get really passionate about it again. Um, they're both laughing, by the way, for our <laughs> listeners that can't see. Um, what, what do you think on this? It was It was really baffling because I feel like Leclerc crashing kind of jumbled up their whole race and they were a bit like oh great like now what do we do and then with the penalty the whole confusion with that you're supposed to know what kind of penalty that your driver has been given like surely you should know that and then calling science into box yes for the team they might have thought it was best at that point but a driver knows what the car feels like at that moment they know what the tires are like and for him to say no like I admired science to say, right, let's box now. And then, no, I'm not going to box when you tell me to because I'm about to overtake Perez and get ahead. Like, I need to get ahead. So why are you calling me in? It Ferrari strategists really baffle me sometimes because sometimes it just seems very chaotic and, like, they don't actually know what plan B is or plan D is or whatever plan they're following. Yeah, I mean, we we did have the Haas strategist on this podcast. He also worked for Mercedes-AMG. Um, and he, he did explain on this show to us, go back and listen to it, Mike Caulfield. He explained that there's not plan A, B, C. That there's plan 472, right? They're, these guys, sometimes we don't give them enough credit because we're on the other side of things. There's so many factors at play. So I'm not having a dig at the Ferrari um, strategist, but it was a silly decision. Um, and Catherine's now crying. Um but Bonotto said this was absolutely the right strategy. At the right time, everything was done perfectly. Science also said, yes, that all led to the best result possible. No, it didn't. It just didn't. I think with this, we can also go back to Silverstone, where Bonotto was like, the best option is to only pit Science." And I think what they were playing at, they were going to let Sainz battle it out against Hamilton and Perez. Leclerc could get a good lead and they'll get both cars in the podium. But Sainz, he wanted a win for himself. And I do not blame him. It was his first pole, his first ever win. Who can write that? What scriptwriter can make a 150 trace for a driver, get his first pole and his first win in the same weekend, you know? So... It's just, it just keeps showing you this strategy. Of course, Binotto's going to be like, it was the best strategy because at the end of the day, I think Binotto is being what any leader would do and he would defend his team. He cannot go against the word that he just agreed to, in my opinion. I feel like if they come up with a strategy, they he would be run over, he would run over it. No, he and would I, be run over by the Tafosi, yeah. <laughs> That's why he's not admitting he's, he made a mistake. I, I, Catherine, I love you dearly, but I don't agree with what you're saying. We, we see people admit fault when there are faults, and I would, I just don't want to see Bonotto's finger again after a race. I just, I, I just, do not agree with that either. I think that just downplayed Leclerc so much. I'm like, listen, not even my mum when I was seven used to do that to me. You're not going to do it to a driver. God, you had an easy upbringing, didn't you? Blimey. <laughs> I, I just used to hide it a baseball bat. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mum, you never got a baseball bat. I'm only joking. Um, okay, right, moving on from that, because, again, 
I think it's we will never know. This is the this is the beauty of Ferrari. It's all it, it it's a bit like Harry Potter. It's not always real, but we always want to think it is. One thing we haven't spoken about is is Russell on his move on Perez. Now everyone's going to think I'm going to say Russell was well in the right there. It was all Perez's fault. It, it, it simply wasn't. Abby, what do you think on that? Because I know, by the way, you said Perez drove straight on on purpose. <laughs> Which, again, I disagree with. Okay, so for me, yes, Perez had the lead going into that corner. It wasn't Russell's corner. However, it reminded me of... Abby, Abby, can you tell the owl to shut up? (laughs) Let me shut my window. Is is he sitting next to you, Abby, or is he outside? (laughs) Outside. Talking of Harry Potter, eh? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... Yes, Perez had the lead going into that corner. It wasn't Russell's corner. But for me, it reminded me of Verstappen and Hamilton at Brazil last year where the Red Bull goes too fast into a corner and they don't leave enough space for the Mercedes and they know that if they go straight on, yes, the Mercedes and they will go off track, but they won't concede the corner. And for uh, me, You're talking about turn four, Brazil last year, um, the beginning of Massey's exit, essentially, yeah? <laughs> that, that, yeah. Yeah, okay, right, I'm with you, right. Cool. Yeah, it just, like, if there was gravel or a wall or whatever, I feel like Perez would have backed out more and he wouldn't have gone as fast into the corner, therefore there wouldn't have been this whole incident thing between him and Russell. But, yeah, I know that lots of people disagree with me, but that's my opinion. Okay, right. Um, Team George is Abby. Um, Catherine, what did you perceive? I'm going to be on Team George, though. I'm going to join Abby. I I think that George just made a good move, in my opinion. And as also as they shown the replay, they also shown how like he backed out a little bit at first, and Paris was not expecting him to come out for him. And it's just it's it's impressive. It's Impressive for me. And I really like how George is racing and how much he's maturing even more with Mercedes. I'm really loving the George that I'm seeing right now. I always liked him since Williams and I don't think he's not going to change my perspective on him now. Good. Okay. I thought you were an anti-Mercedes, but uh, I now I now see that you are fair. Um, Perez didn't defend the corner, did he? Um, hence, George was on that side. So I think, uh, you know, I think it, it just is what it is. But however, if I had to apportion blame, I'm being so outdone on this podcast today. By the way, it's it's horrific. <laughs> Sam, any anyone else who wants to come and back me up on the next show, please come. Um, I thought, yeah, George was in the wrong there. I, I th- didn't think he was alongside him. I didn't think it was his corner. Um, and Perez, it, in order to stay on the track, he needed to turn the wheel, and he did that. And George was there, so it it is what it is. Um, but what about Toto? Sorry, um, Uncle Toto coming on to have a little word with young George. Uh, he's straight to him. Uh, Toto only does this in special scenarios, which I quite like. You know, when you hear Uncle Toto, you know it's serious. Catherine, what did you... Uh, I know you're a Toto fan now. Um, are you now more of a fan of Toto? But I, I actually, I respect it from him because you know what? In other years, we were always saying how Toto just supports Lewis and he doesn't support the other driver, which in my opinion, it is sort of untrue. Unfortunately, Lewis was the better driver and he was being supported at Mercedes a bit more than the other driver, okay. Yeah, he had a wingman, but, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, 
And I think now Tomzo is just acting as any other team that are in that position would act. Right now, Mercedes are not in a position to choose which one is the faster driver and which one has an opportunity for a championship. They just have two drivers that need to work together for a team. And I think they saw that George was maybe he was losing hope a bit. And the fact that he went on and he was there like, listen, I believe in you. I didn't bring you to Mercedes for nothing. I think that that really helped Russell. And I think that is what gave him the even more motivation to go and, for example, pursue such a move and get a podium at the end of the race. Mm. Uncle Toto, I think everyone needs an Uncle Toto in their life. You know, at moments of stress, you just in your ear, you have Uncle Toto telling you that it's all going to be all right and they believe in you. Um, what I quite found interesting was um, we'll get to his eventual pass and, and VSCs in a minute, but um, George was very passionate. I love passion. I hate media trained. I hate playing things down. It, it, you're in the moment, right? George Russell is a. a, a, a passionate driver you know he hit Bottas on the helmet a little while ago it sort of reminded me of that it was the same level of um uh, adrenaline at, at, at that particular moment but Abby as VSC came out for the um incident with I can't remember oh sorry I, rem- I do remember we had a VSC come out <clears throat> start again knobhead right So Perez maintained his position. We've got Mr. Mr. Young George, supported by Uncle Toto, very, very wound up behind him. VSC comes out for Zogran Yu's car, stranded Alpha Male. And this was brilliantly played by George Russell. And how did this pan out, Abby? I've watched it, I've I've watched this about five, six times now before the show, because I couldn't quite understand how he managed to overtake him that easily yeah so with the virtual safety car obviously speed is reduced and that but russell managed to get ahead of the red bull he managed to get into third and like you said it was a really easy move from russell so he obviously listened to total and did put his head down and get on with it but it it was really smart for me because you kind of you saw russell drop back a bit kind of slowed down and then he just had this momentum when he just went flat out and he just managed to overtake Perez and it was like that it was so quick so easy and a really logical and strategic move and then obviously that was on like lap 50 I believe very near towards the end of the race and then Perez was just trying to hunt down Russell because he didn't like that he was now off the podium now uh, something's come out since we've been recording this so I'll I'll just fill you in um ferrari drivers never never you know have any criticism of their team whatsoever but perez said this was the team's fault for giving him the incorrect information so as i've seen it and i've watched it a few times perez was slowing down because he was ahead of his delta so he he had gone too fast through the safety car period george sort of realized that and was behind his delta like you said abby building the momentum but perez is blaming the team for this He's got it on his steering wheel. Is that fair, uh, Catherine? Or do you think that's a frustrated Perez? I think, in my opinion, it can be frustration, to be fair. I don't think that his team actually had anything. Like, they will always tell them, so, listen, like, the man behind you is that far and stuff like that. So, I do not think that they were really giving him false 
information that much. I don't think that they were as panicked as a Ferrari patrol would be, in my opinion. I think Red Bull are a bit more organized when it comes to that. But jokes apart, no, I do not think that it is right for him to blame it on his team. So we're getting towards the end of the race. Abby, who didn't make the end? And there, there were more than sort of we realised, really, who didn't finish this race. There were. So there were 16 cars in the classified race result, but five DNFs or retirements. So we had Zhou Guanyu, who was the only retirement to be classified. Obviously, he brought out the virtual safety car. He retired, as we've just said. You also had Latifi retire and Magnussen after the contact that those two made together. Obviously, Leclerc, massive crash. He retired. And also, Sonoda after his contact with Ocon, which... If you look at the footage, when the Alpha Tauri is in the garage, there is a massive crack in the side of in the side of his car, basically from the contact with Ocon. So those guys did not see the checkered flag, unfortunately. Okay, now I've literally, you can tell we're recording this just after the race, but I've actually just seen that there was a glitch with the VSC system. Did you guys know this? Okay, breaking news. Um. So we just said that Perez said that there was there was a problem with the team and um, I'm winging it here completely, but Perez said that there was a problem with it. Now it's just come up on my screen that there was a glitch in the safety car system delaying um, the VSC ending, which meant uh, under the sporting regs, it should end between 10 and 15 seconds after uh, the incident is cleared but that did not happen at the first attempt and the VSC ending message came out early which before the VSC went in which is what has caused this confusion and ultimately what Perez just said so there you have it breaking news on the show um cool okay Abby do you want to do the finishing positions okay so the race winner was Verstappen, and he was joined by Hamilton and Russell on the podium in second and third, respectively. Perez rounded out the top four with Sainz behind him in fifth. Alonso finished the race in sixth, behind Norris in seventh. Ocon, his home race, he finished in eighth. Ricardo managed to finish in the points in ninth, with Stroll rounding out the top ten. Vettel was behind his teammate in eleventh. Gasly was behind him in 12th, ahead of Albon in 13th. And then Bottas was in 14th and Schumacher was in 15th, with Joe classified in 16th. And does Nico Hockenberg still have equal points to Latifi? Yes, he does. So, I'm, Latifi, I'm sorry. I'm terribly sorry. Um, cool. Okay. I, I enjoyed that race. Um but this does swing the championship again in the favour of the Red Bulls. Abby, do you want to do the championship standings for the constructors first? Yes. Okay. So, Red Bull obviously leading with loads of points compared to others. They have 396. Ferrari is in second on 314, ahead of Mercedes in third on 270. Now the battle for fourth has finally been decided, with Alpine now on 93 points, ahead of McLaren who's in fifth on 89. 
Alfa Romeo is in 6th on 51, ahead of Haas in 7th on 34 points. Alfa Tauri are in 8th on 27, with Aston Martin in 9th on 19, and Williams are still in 10th on 3 points. Okay, now there's a lot of talk, Catherine, I just want your view on this, about Mercedes now joining this championship fight in the constructors. Um, Realistic or not? I think that's they are going to affect it because they're going to be really competing against Ferrari and Red Bull. They're going to get in their way. We all know that. So even just having, for example, Lewis Hamilton being on the podium in Silverstone, it affected Ferrari, you know? Charles Leclerc could have been there. So the fact that they are getting in their way, it is affecting the top two teams. Maybe I do not see them, as I've said before, maybe I do not see them winning constructors or drivers. But it will affect how the championship will play out. And let's not forget that most podiums that Mercedes have have got, they were lucky because of other teams' mishaps. Like today, Mm -hmm. Russell probably wouldn't have gotten the podium if Ferrari didn't get it wrong. So, yeah. Abby, do you think Ferrari should be a little bit cautious of Mercedes? I mean, in my personal opinion, Red Bull shouldn't lose this Constructors' Championship. But Ferrari for second, I think they need to start worrying. Do you? I think there is that doubt and that little bit of worry. I mean, Ferrari are only 44 points ahead of Mercedes now in the constructors, which at the beginning of the season, that gap was a hell of a lot bigger. But as Catherine said, Mercedes are there. They might not necessarily be fighting for the championships, but they will definitely disrupt Ferrari and Red Bull's progress. And I think with Ferrari being so behind Red Bull at the moment, they do need to be cautious of Mercedes coming up and taking second. Yeah, I I think that's absolutely bang on. Um, Would you like to run through the top 10 drivers in the championship? Yes. So Verstappen, obviously today, he increased his lead to 63 points ahead of Leclerc. So Verstappen's on 233, whilst Leclerc's on 170. Perez is still in third on 163 points, with Sainz in fourth on 144. Then it's Russell and Hamilton in fifth and sixth, respectively, on 143 points and 127 points. Lando Norris is still in seventh on 70 points. Ocon is in eighth on 56. And then Bottas in ninth on 46. And Alonso in tenth on 37 points. Awesome. Um, one word answers, please. Who's going to win the world championship, Abby? Max. <laughs> Catherine? Max. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Um, some interesting little facts before we sign off today. Verstappen joins Sir Jackie Stewart on 27 race wins. Uh, he is tied for seventh in the all-time list. That's pretty cool. Led the one. 1,500th lap of his career, making him the 13th driver to ever reach that total. And Hamilton finished second, as we know. It was his 300th Grand Prix, and it's the 49th time in his career he's finished in second. Credit to F1.com for those stats. Um, They're quite cool, right? And I also wanted to add that Alonso broke Raikkonen's record for how many laps they have in F1. So Kimi Raikkonen had 18,629 and Alonso just broke that with the French Grand Prix. I feel like I'm just going to add one more in. Um, Abby, I might send you this so you can join in. Um, The McLaren drivers finished in the same positions they did last weekend. There you go. 
Right, before we wrap off, uh, we must do driver of the day. I think this might be quite a quick one. Um, Abby, over to you. My driver of the day is the same as the public's vote. It is Carlos Sainz with the with the five-second time penalty and the group place penalty at the beginning, starting from the back, coming through the pack, finishing fifth. He's my driver of the day. Awesome. Now, um, Catherine, we, we always try to pick someone else and then try and justify it, which is going to be really difficult today. I'm going to let you go before me so that I have to struggle more than you do. Who was your driver of the day? Well, I did add to the public vote today and I did vote for signs. But if you want to create some sort of discussion, I would say that even Russell could be a driver of the day. I think he did pretty well to get Mercedes as their double podium today. So I'll give it to him then. Okay. Oh, this is difficult. It's always difficult going like I should just get in there first. Um, oh, God. Uh, I'm going to give it to Sir, because he finished second. Great result. Did what he needed to do. Abby? And Lewis's drink bottle didn't work. He went the whole race without having a drink. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just give a shout out to the journalists of F1 who are now making this a headline story that Hamilton lost three kilos of weight during that. The bit that, that people don't know is Hamilton also said he doesn't normally drink in a race anyway. So there we go. Uh, I will not quote who wrote that article. Um, guys, thank you very much. Where are we going next week, Abby? We are going to Budapest for a whole weekend of motorsport, four championships, and also London for Formula E as well. Oh, God, it's going to be a busy weekend, isn't it? Oh, Lord. Um, Catherine, are you excited for the um, Hungarian Grand Prix? Any spicy predictions you want to make now? Well, I do want to point out Haas, who said that they were going to bring new upgrades for the Hungarian Grand Prix. We also saw them in Austria with double points. So we never know what they might bring in uh, in Hungary. And plus now Schumacher is a bit hungrier than ever. So <laughs> Yes, you use my joke again. Ah, oh, dear. Um, Catherine, have you enjoyed your first race review on the show? Has it been all right? Have you, have you, have you, have you survived? I survived. In fact, before this, I was asking my friends, how do I not cry? Because, you know, after what I saw from Ferrari, I was a bit disappointed again. But, you know, I managed it. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking about it with you guys, too. And, um, and yeah, no, it made me feel better, actually, making me look forward for the races to come. Hopefully, when you guys hear me again, I'll be speaking more positively about Ferrari, too. Well, maybe we'll bring the Tifosi back during a, a, your next win. But, um, Abby, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And, Catherine, thank you again. Thank you. We will see you on Wednesday for the News from the Nerds podcast, where we bring you the five latest stories from the F1 world in the past week. Abby, is that how it goes? Was the dug in it right? Yeah. Good. Yeah. Thank God. Uh, and then we'll see you on Sunday for the race review. Until then... Goodbye. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out and away we go. Sports Social Podcast Network.